0: His thoughts are not our thoughts, nor His ways our ways. Pastor Xavier Reese with the Simple Truths. All
1: oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, and who has become His counselor? Or who has first given to Him, and it shall be repaid to Him? For of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things, to whom be glory
0: forever. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Pastor Xavier, it's a pleasure to have you in the studio today. You're here to give us some introductory remarks for our new series in the book of 1 Peter.
2: Yes, 1 Peter is a great book. Peter writes knowing the difficulties of tests and trials. He uh, took many tests and he failed them. But he came victorious as he depended on the Lord Jesus Christ after Pentecost. And so he really is a very appropriate instrument to write about the persecution against the Christian, against trials and tribulations that happen in this world. And that we're not to give in to them, but that we can overcome them through the grace of God. And those who are in leadership, they are to be models for those who are under their care. And so the first epistle is such a... Uh, an encouragement for um, difficulties, trials, persecution. And to realize that it's not a strange thing. It's just the common life of the believer. We live in the world, but not of the world. We are light in the midst of darkness. What we see today is not what God intended, but the result of man's continual rebellion against God. And so, like the boat. The boat belongs in the water. It's when the water gets in the boat, the boat gets in trouble. And so we, rather than being isolated, we need to be insulated by the mind of God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God. And, and God will use us to bring many unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm excited as uh, we're going to begin these studies. And if God blesses you, contact us. Drop us an email. Get on our website. We need to hear from you. It encourages us and also makes us good stewards to see that God is
0: using them. So may the Lord bless you. Yes, it is our privilege to bring you teaching from God's Word each day. But we want you to know it's our pleasure to hear from listeners who are being ministered to by our broadcast. We really do appreciate your feedback as vital input to the planning process of our radio ministry. So won't you please address an email to us? That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's Truths at ccpas.com. Or you can address your letters to Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107 And I'll be repeating those at the close of the broadcast But for now, it's time to get today's study underway Titled, The Believer and Election
1: There probably has been no other doctrine That has given man great concern As well as great confusion the doctrine of election, another word that is used sometimes as predestination, probably the gifts of the Spirit, is another doctrine that has confused and concerned the church. And both of these doctrines, because they have been examined by man's logical and systematic attempt to understand, many mistakes and errors have been made. And consequently, many people are confused about it. In both cases, man has endeavored to understand and figure it out, as I said, through logical and systematic reasoning. There are things in the Scriptures that I can understand with my mind, but if I continue trying to rationalize and understand them logically in a progressive form, there are certain issues that by the time I do it with my logical human mind, by the time I get to the end, the end has no relationship to the beginning. Because God asks us and tells us of many things in the Scriptures that really are unable to be understood by the natural mind. Even in the mind of the believer. And I think that ordination or election or predestination, whatever you want to use, is one of them. And so men have battled from one extreme to the other. Those who put such a heavy emphasis upon predestination or election at the exclusion of man's free will. Others who have put such a great emphasis upon man's free will at the exclusion of election or predestination. Now understand, they're both biblical doctrines. They're both taught. We are never asked to reconcile them. They are irreconcilable truths. It has been said that these are two parallels that run on this side of eternity that never cross. But when we're there, we'll see the meeting of the two. Some of the wrong conclusions that men have come up with when they've leaned to one extreme or the other is such as if God has chosen some to be saved or if God has elected some or predestinated some, then the human logical conclusion would be that God has elected and predestined some to be damned. Logical, but not scriptural. You'll never find that in scripture. If God predestinated me, then I will be saved. I don't have to do anything. Sounds logical, but I'm biblical. If I am God's elect, then it really doesn't make any difference what I'm doing because I'm sealed with the Spirit. Sounds logical, but not scriptural. And so man, I think, brings his problems to the Scriptures, and then he tries to pass them off as the teachings of God. John Calvin said that man cannot resist the will of God. And therefore, you have extreme Calvinists who go to the extreme to even say, well, If God has predestinated some, then we don't even have to witness. Because they're going to be there. But that contradicts the word of God, the Great Commission. Go forth. Be a witness. On the other hand, you have Arminius and those who follow his teaching, Arminianism. And they put an emphasis on human will. And that you can be saved, you can be lost, you're in, you're out, you're up, you're down. (laughs) But see, any emphasis on the one or the other without the acknowledgement or the balance of the other will be an extreme and wrong teaching. Now, to understand, it doesn't mean you're going to understand it. (laughs) I certainly don't understand. I wrestled with this thing for years. I finally landed in John 15. Abide in Christ. (laughs) You grab predestination with the left hand. You grab free will with the right hand. And you walk right down the middle. (laughs) And you understand and recognize that they're both biblical doctrines which we do not understand where one leaves off and the other one picks up. We are commanded to study the full counsel of God. Not to stack scriptures. Not to be leaning to one side of the argument. For there to be a day, there must be night and day. Not just night. Not just day. And so Peter here in his opening salutation in 1 Peter... He identifies himself. He identifies the believers, which who he is writing to, pilgrims, and dispersed. But the third identity he gives to them begins in verse 2. He says, Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is this third identity that we want to center on this morning. And so the first thing we want to see is that election is the plan of God. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Notice that election is according to foreknowledge. The word foreknowledge is only attributed to God. Man does not have it. It, this word appears two times in the New Testament here and also in Acts 2.23 where Peter speaks to the crowd and says that God, from the predetermined foreknowledge of God, he crucified his son. He, he determined to send him to die for the world. The verb form is used five other times in the New Testament. But it's always in reference to God. And so one of the difficulties we have right off hand is to understand something that we don't possess. And therefore our understanding is going to be Partial. Secondly, since we have a limited mind, how are we going to understand unlimited things? Jesus told Nicodemus, if you can't understand these things, how can I tell you about heavenly things? Now, foreknowledge is not omniscience or all knowledge. It's distinct from it. We might call it pre-science or foresight. It is that ability that God has to determine plan, purpose, and will... Without having any dependence on those elements and members and situations that will be involved. Unless you think of God as being just so wise that he can foresee what's going to happen so he makes an alternate move for it. That's not God. He's not up there biting his nails. Believe me. We see it throughout the Old Testament. the foreknowledge of God. He tells of things that are going to happen in the future from the past. He tells things before they happen, so when they happen, you know he's God. Usually we identify that as prophecy, but within prophecy we have to acknowledge that foreknowledge has to be involved in order to utter that prophecy. And so you find it through the prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. Listen to Ecclesiastes three fifteen. That which has been is now, that which is to be has already been, and God requires that which is past. That tells me one thing God lives in an eternal present. (laughs) You and I look at time, past, present, future. God looks at everything as present. God saw you before you were born, God saw you when you were in your mother's womb, God saw you when you were going to accept the Lord. God saw you as you lived out your whole life in Christ. God saw you as you died and were glorified. God saw you as you were billions of years into eternity. And he did that all in an aspect of the present. Now, I don't understand that. But I know he can do it. (laughs) Acts 15, 18 says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Everything. Everything. Nothing ever takes God by surprise. How often we we fail the Lord or we do something and we think we have caught him by surprise, we have disappointed him. Let me tell you, I grieve his heart, but I never disappoint him. Because he knew what I was going to do before I did it. He knew before I knew. And so Paul tells Timothy, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his And let everyone that names the name of the Christ depart from iniquity. God knows whether you belong to Him and you should know whether you belong to Him. 1 John gives you tests to know whether you belong to God. You should not be doubting your salvation. You should be assured of your salvation. But the assurance of your salvation should be within the balance of Scripture and not in stacking of Scriptures. Your assurance should be in the solid scriptural basis that God has given, and not in some humanistic stacking of doctrine that allows you to move beyond the freedom that God has allowed you. Man with his finite mind tries to understand the plan of salvation which springs forth from foreknowledge. That in itself is foolish, for we are finite. But God is infinite. So once again, we come to a problem. How can a finite mind comprehend an infinite mind or the things that are contained in an infinite mind? You're limited. How absurd. Listen to the scriptures. Christ chose us and God chose us and the Spirit chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Yet, I accepted the Lord in 1973. Thousands of years afterwards, I was predestinated and adopted according to his good pleasure. Not because he saw that I was going to be worth his while. God didn't wait for me to accept him and then I walked along and said, Okay, Gabe, put his name down. We're going to take him. Uh Uh-uh. He chose me according to his good pleasure. Certainly, I'm glad he chose me before the foundation because he would have seen me afterwards. If he chose like that, he wouldn't have chosen me. He predestinated me according to his purposes, working all things after the counsel of his will. His will. And so when I come across election predestination, I hit it with all the boldness, all the assurance Because it's doctrinal. Even as Paul the Apostle told the first converts as he went out to minister to Asia Minor, to the Gentiles in Acts 13, 48, he says, And as many as were ordained or appointed to eternal life believed. Interesting. No problem. Paul didn't expound on it. Paul didn't defend it. (laughs) He just said it. Now, Jesus told his disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. There's the word again. That you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. John 15, 16. Now, does this mean that man has no choice? Is Calvin right? No. For man has a free will. For the Scriptures declare, Whosoever will, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. But wait a minute. Now, if God predestined, and how can He say, Whosoever wills? What if one of those guys who wasn't predestined wills? (laughs) The Scripture says, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. Well, wait a minute. Now the scripture says that God's not willing that any should perish. When God wills something, doesn't that mean it comes to pass? When you think of God's will, think of it in two aspects. One, the will of God that cannot be changed, altered, it will come to pass regardless of what happens. Jesus will establish the kingdom. Jesus will reign at the end. Nothing can change that. But then there is an aspect of God's will that he declares to man and he gives the man the freedom to walk within that will each of us have come to Christ we study the word of god god says don't do this he gives you the freedom to walk in that will or out that will yet your obedience to it or disobedience is not going to change the ultimate will of god matthew 22:14 says for many are called listen but few chosen you say, well, that's not fair, man. I mean, what if he hasn't predestinated me? That's not fair. Well, you might look at it on a door that says on one side as you're looking at it, whosoever will. And you walk in. You look back over the doorpost and it says, I chose you. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, then walk out. But I want to be saved. Then walk in. See, you can't fall gone. Well, what if I don't want to walk in? Well, maybe you're not predestined. But that's not fair, then walk in. <laughs> you see, you can't fall God, and you can't figure him out. But the invitation is there. The parables of Jesus, the invitation of the groom, of the wedding, was to everybody. Some came, some didn't. Why? Because man has a free will. Paul even speaks of salvation in such a way in Romans 8.29 as if it already has been concluded completely. He says he called, he justified, he justified, he sanctified, he sanctified, he glorified. And the tense in the Greek is, you and I have already been glorified, and yet we're still here. (laughs) God lives in an eternal present. And he can say things as they've happened because they've already happened in his mind, though they haven't yet happened. I don't have any problem with that. I don't totally understand it, but I don't have any problem with that. (laughs) Now, have you got the message? Don't try to figure out God. Don't try to reconcile irreconcilable truths within the scriptures. Acknowledge both of them, hit them hard but never the exclusion of the other side the balance paul really nails it when he writes to the romans in romans 11:33 he says this all oh, the depths of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of god how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out for who has known the mind of the lord and who has become his counselor Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. (laughs) He is so vast. Isaiah says it this way. His thoughts are not our thoughts, neither are his ways our ways. For as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are his thoughts from ours. Look at verse 2. The entire trinity is involved in salvation. God the Father elected us, it was his he's the source, the plan. Then it was through the Spirit that we are sanctified, and it is through the person of Christ that we are sitting. And so you have all three. Now we know that the Spirit of God dwells in our body. We always emphasize that as Christians. But Jesus says, I and the Father will come and make our abode with you. So the Father's in you, the Son's in you, and the Holy Spirit's in you. Is that news to you? <laughs> All three are one God. How can that be? Now, if you seek to understand it by stacking scriptures, you're going to end up teaching polytheism, three gods. If you lean too heavily on the oneness of God, monotheism, then you're going to exclude the Trinity we don't understand them there is that balance that mystery and so in this case the word elect is used in scripture for the saint is used in scripture for perhaps the corporate body the church in John's epistle it says to the elect lady and it's also used for Israel so what you need to do when you come across the word elect you need to look and search of the, the context and see who is being spoken about. Is it the church? Is it Israel? Who is it speaking about? If you don't study the context, then you will make a mistake and put the church in the great tribulation. And yet in Revelation chapter 6 all the way to 18, you never find any evidence of the church. The elect there are the Jews who come to Christ during the tribulation and Gentiles who come to Christ. If you try to make the woman the church, you have greater problems, for she is pregnant. The church is a virgin. The woman there is Israel who gave birth to Christ and ascended up on high. And so you must study the context. Who are the elects being spoken about in this context?
0: Pastor Xavier Rees drawing our time to a close today with great insight on practicing effective inductive Bible study. And we've been listening to the first message of our brand new series in 1 Peter titled The Believer and Election. And if you'd like to receive a copy for your own in-depth personal study, we can provide that for you on CD for just $4. The title once again is The Believer and Election. Request yours by writing... And use that address to send Pastor Xavier your comments of our broadcast so that we know where we're being most effective. Or jot an email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station however you get in touch. This is helpful information as we monitor the impact of our radio ministry. Jesus commanded us to be doers of the word, not just hearers. Jesus called us for a purpose. Let's purpose to do our calling next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California